What up, everybody? Welcome to our final episode of the 2018-2019 season. We made it. We made it. And I think we're in good standing because, I mean, we have a Game 7, all or nothing, Stanley Cup final. We're there. First time in Boston Bruins history you guys are hosting one. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, I almost feel like this team has played a lot better on the road throughout the playoffs. So having this one at home, I mean, obviously our backs were against the wall. We had to win game six, but it's like, talk about nerve wracking. Like, I mean, ask St. Louis. They just had the chance to close it at home and it didn't happen. Yeah, that was, uh, we'll get into it, but game six, once Boston scored the first goal, it seemed like the winds were kind of, the wind was kind of taken out of the Blues' sail with in terms of the players on the ice. They kind of let up a little bit. Yeah, I think they were. Um, I don't want to say over overthinking in the sense of they could win that night. I just think they were expecting a party, and that goal came and just sucked the life out of that building. And I mean, they had chances. We'll, we'll get into it, but. Oh, man. Game we, seven I, Wednesday. <laughs> I, for the first time in a while, I've mentioned this before, the Rangers aren't in a playoff, so it's kind of been a little refreshing to just watch the games, even game sevens in the previous rounds, and just enjoy the game for what it is. 29 other franchises would love to be in a position that you are in as Bruins fans and Blues fans are in. But it's going to be fun for me. It's going to be nerve-wracking as hell for all of you guys. Oh, dude, I'm like, I'm already keeping my same outfit that I wore for game six. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> keeping everything together down to the undies. I don't even care. Just, uh, yeah, the the superstition is on. The The correct seating arrangement in the house is on. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. I'm excited. Yeah, before we get into that, I think we 100% need to start off with game five. Your thoughts on the non-call on Tyler Bozak, um, the other missed call, in my opinion, with the Krejci shot that looked like across the line on review, um, and your general thoughts from Game 5 as well. Game 5, every Bruins fan, I heard about it for days until Game 6. I just couldn't wait for fucking Game 6. Yeah, the, the refs missed the call. They missed a couple of calls, but... I know ever since I was a kid, we were always taught, don't leave it in the ref's hands. D just don't. And if the Bruins played better, I don't think there's an issue here. So the timing of that Bozak trip was probably the worst part of it because mm -hmm. now it's in the third. Like, if that trip happens in the first period, it's, you know, whatever. That deep into the third, one goal game, and then they score a goal on it makes it a whole nother thing unfortunate shit happens the referees have been awful this whole playoffs in general not just this series the nhl i mean bruce cassidy came out and said it's a black eye for the league and i agree i mean the league right now with that west mccauley injury why he's not refing right now that is huge i mean the best ref in the game can't ref because he's hurt and kelly sutherland i mean he's done this a really long time but i mean that game five, you want to talk about missed calls right in front of them? Two headshots and then that slew foot? I, yeah, and 
I don't know, man. Like, are guys only seeing shit certain ways? Like, I don't even know how the refs can even defend it. And I think the NHL is going to get it right and have Rooney ref game seven, even though this is the other thing. Rooney's a Boston kid. And I hate every time Chris Rooney refs a Bruins game because for him to not be on the homer side, like he shoves it up our ass every game. Yeah, he goes out of the way. Yeah. And I mean, I felt like last night was the first game that I've seen with him where being a Bruins guy, he didn't completely shove it up our ass. Like, I think it was actually a fair, a fairly called game last night. Yeah. They announced about 30 minutes ago, uh, around 3 PM. Well, West coast time on Monday that the same refs, like you said, Rooney, uh, they're going to be roughing game seven, same refs from game six. And game six was about as well officiated a game as we've seen in a couple finals so far so i have no problem with that there yeah no issues on that end um the issue for me yes it was a terrible call yes he missed it the timing of it was brutal for you guys but the five on the ice for boston just stopped playing just waiting for that whistle i agree with you completely but i mean Bozak is sending himself to the box. <laughs> yeah, he's like legitimately, <laughs> like throw. Like there's nothing in hockey that says I did it more than I throw my hands up and I shake my head and I'm already going to the penalty box. Yeah, because he he completely takes himself out of that play. But I'm with you. I mean, you're taught play until the whistle. You, you can't automatically assume there's going to be a call. And shame on the Bruins for that. Like you can't blame the refs for that. Yeah, they missed the call, but at the same time, you guys all stopped playing. Whose fault is that? The other thing is, after when the game ended, I even told the first lady to this. The Bruins can't end up losing the Stanley Cup on a road in St. Louis after getting basically dicked over at home in Game 5. No one knows. Let's say he didn't make that call on Bozak. No one, there's no guarantee, even though your power play has been great all playoffs long that you guys score, that the outcome of the game is different no matter what happens, the remainder of regulation or into overtime. So there's no guarantee there. But I'm glad in a way that the Bruins are able to have that shot back at home with a chance to win just as much as the Blues, but with a chance to win after that Game 5 officiating. Yeah, I mean, the win last night was phenomenal. I'll get into that. Uh Still with Game 5, I mean, Chara plays. The place is absolutely rocking. I mean, I didn't think we were going to see him again. And then he comes in, talk about an emotional boost. But, I mean, it didn't last long. I also think, too, having him play hurt us a little bit because we had the 70 and 11 forwards. Guys were double shifting. Lines were kind of all over the place. And I felt like it hurt us a little bit. And... That's no disrespect to Chara. I just think that's the way it was. It, it was yeah, just, just kinda, the reality of the situation. Yeah, and the the worst part is this. He suits up, and if he's not able to go, then he just completely blew a roster spot because for whatever reason. Like, now you kind of hurt the team a little bit. I thought he was okay in that game five. Like, on the grade scale, probably like a C plus. Like, not just average. And that's not a bad thing. Not a bad Especially thing. with the broken jaw. Exactly. Um, game six, I thought he had a great game last night. But we'll get there. 
when it gets to the overall part of that game five, the Bruins just get outplayed. The the Blues come, they establish their forecheck, they're hard on pucks, they're hitting everything that moves, and they outbeat us. They out physical us. They out everything us. And yet again, no no one can call me and say that this was strictly about the refs. I mean, outside of you know that one call at the end. And mind you, our power play sucked that night. So I don't think even if we go on the power play, it makes a difference there. Because, I mean, everyone wanted to play fucking patty cake, patty cake pass, and no one wanted to shoot. So we go to game six, and now we shoot the puck. And the puck goes in the net. It's the craziest thing. Brad Marchand's alive. He is alive. Thank God he finally woke up. I thought he was going to have a huge game five. And... What pissed me off the most about him in Game 5 was that he came out, they all came out, and they had a phenomenal first period. They they were flying. They had St. Louis pinned in. I'm like, here we go, boys. Blow the doors off. And then the second period starts, and I don't know if we kind of gave it all we had and had nothing left, or St. Louis just kind of took the game from us, whichever one it was. And then the next two periods were all St. Louis. Like that's that's the story. That's, I think that's been the thing all series where if it wasn't for the special teams play the Bruins, St. Louis is essentially outside of the first two periods of game one. And I would say half of the first period last night, the Blues have controlled the game five on five. Once it gets into special teams is when you guys are able to kind of take over a little bit. But five on five, St. Louis is basically control play all series. Yeah, I mean, their special teams has not been good. Like, even their power play hasn't been good. So it's almost like when we get a penalty, we almost kind of mess their rhythm up a little bit in the sense of they're so used to going in and banging bodies that now they kind of have to finesse it a little bit. And it's kind of like, what are we doing here? So It was the same thing with the Rangers back in the day. As fans, we used to yell, can we decline a power play? (laughs) Yeah, ref, no. No, he's not going to the box. Um. Before game six, Saturday morning, up here on the Sports Hub, we have the uh, All-American Hockey Show. Uh, they had Jaffe on Saturday morning, and I call, and I'm like, guys, you can't blame the refs for this. Like, we're not shooting the puck. We're waiting for things. And when we do shoot the puck, no one's there to bang in rebounds. Like, guys on the half wall need to get to the net because Bennington has been a rebound machine. And to some people's disarray, Billy Jaffe agreed with me. So I know more hockey than a middle schooler. And Billy Jaffe said the same thing. Yeah, they, they need to shoot the puck. They did it against Carolina. They did it against the end against Columbus there. And it worked at the beginning of this series. And then we kind of stopped. And maybe it's kudos to St. Louis for blocking up the lanes for us not being able to get the pucks off quick enough. But once as we shoot the puck... Good things happen. I mean, they tell you that as a kid. Shoot the puck. Good things happen. And I think last night was, that was evident. Like, we shot the puck. Like, Brandon Carlo, the second goal last night. A oh, flub. A brutal, like, give up. I know it's a brutal goal to give up, but I mean, he shot a puck. Like, shoot a puck at the net. Hit the net. Shoot the puck at the net. You don't know what's going to happen. And that was the proof in the pudding last night. Bennington is rattled. 
he, he couldn't stop pucks. And then on top of it, in between whistles, he's going the long way to bump into Bruins players. He's going out to the blue line to try and take down Pasternak. He was yeah, just so out of the norm of how he handles himself. Yeah. Do I look nervous? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it looks like you're trying to get under their skin because you're having a hard time playing your games and you're trying to get them off of theirs. Yeah, and I mean, as a goalie, I just don't get what he's trying to accomplish there. He He's not like Ron Hextall back in the day. Like, Ron Hextall was a monster. If he, if Ronnie came up and he hit you with a stick, you felt it. Like, if Benetton, you sneeze, he's so frail, like so up and down, you think he might blow away. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, that second goal was a backbreaker for St. Louis. They were down one. They were very much still in the game. As you said, they were controlling play five on five. And then that... I know it short hopped him, and the ice, I wrote this down yesterday, the ice was brutal, terrible. I know I said brutal twice already. Terrible for Stanley Cup final game. Pucks jumping over sticks. Uh, O'Reilly flubbed his chance on that shorthanded breakaway because he couldn't get the puck to settle down. A lot of missed passes, a lot of basically chop shots when you're attempting cross ice uh, passes for both teams. Just brutal ice, and that kind of led to the second goal for Boston with the short hop on Bennington. But he's got to stop that. Once that went in, you kind of felt the the sense of the arena, even among the fans, kind of shift to the uh, shit. Now we got to go to Boston for Game Seven. With it though, the Bruins in Game Six they go back to six D and twelve forwards, and I think that made a difference. Uh, yeah, Coleman really helped. His speed is incredible, and I feel awful for David Backus in the sense of like the guys playing his old team who he was the captain for and he can't get in the lineup. Like he's been our physical guy th- this whole year, this whole playoff series, but he's not playing game seven. Like Coleman's in. D- doesn't matter. Carson Coleman's playing. And that kind of goes back to what you said earlier in the recording where having to dress 7D for game five because you weren't sure what you were going to get from Chara kind of threw the lines off a little bit. I wonder how game five would have gone if, even if Bacchus was in there, but definitely you see uh, Coleman going for game six and just hasn't played in about 12 games, a lot of energy, wants to make his mark, and he was flying all over the ice last night. I wonder, even if Chara had to miss game five and he went with more of a depleted defense court testing their depth, if that would have balanced things out easier for you guys for one game and then bring Char back for game six yeah that's a good question I don't know I one thing I do know that Kuhlman goal was an absolute snipe yesterday <laughs> yeah there was that was not on Bennington at all you can't place that puck any better no and maybe it's the surprise factor because the kid just kind of comes in and they haven't really seen him so they didn't know what to expect but yeah, that's that's snipe. That's barred down. Yeah, for me, game six kind of boiled down to two turning points. I talked about the Bennington uh, softy with the second goal, which I think really deflated the team. But what got everything rolling was that Braden Shen boarding penalty, where unnecessary hit, hit from behind, you know you're going to get called. Well, with these referees, you never know what the call is going to be, but... You should get called every time on a play like that. Just very undisciplined with a chance to win a Stanley Cup, you're at home. Just a very, I don't know if it's selfish or more of a just a boneheaded 
non-thinking play to make, and then that puts your team in a hole with Boston having a very strong power play, and Marshan rips it home, and that got the ball rolling for the Bruins. Not going to lie, though, when Marshan took that trip against Pietrangelo, I was, like, losing my mind. I'm like... Oh, yeah, that was another selfish fucking play. Yeah, like, that one, I'm like, if they score right now, like, you, you got the goal, you're ahead, like, why, why do it for? And I understand the message sending part of this because i mean at the end of the game yesterday it gets a little out of hand with sending messages for game seven yet again i mean that's part of the game i get it but it's like marcia you want to send a message well you know do it at the end of the game you you taking a two-minute penalty here is not helping us not in the least and he's lucky he only got two minutes because i know the bozak trip that was a hockey play because akari kind of Turned back into him a little bit, and the way Bozak reacted, he wasn't expecting to make that play there. So the trip, yeah, it was a trip, but I don't think it was anything intentional. Marshan, you can tell he did the slew foot. Oh, yeah, there was no question on that. And it was right in front of the ref. Late in the game, well, halfway through the game, he could have gotten a double minor, a major penalty for it. He could have gotten the game misconduct for slew foot. And that was what drove me crazy, too. Like you said, he did it legitimately. Comes around the backside of the net to where Petrangelo's right there and the ref's right next to him, does it right in front. Like, what do you think's going to happen? Like, they all know you. What do you think yeah, you're is going to happen? you're not going to get the benefit. No, not even. Not even a little bit. He could have hit him shoulder to shoulder there and he probably would have got a boarding call. It wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> it's just one of those things, like, he knows better. Thank God he finally came to the scene last night. It seemed like that first line woke up a little bit. Um, Krejci's still MIA. MIA, but he was better last night. He was a lot better. A lot of controlled entries coming in. They were actually shooting the puck. I I was happy with that because some of those other games were just absolutely brutal. So for them to actually contribute something, I was happy with. And I just hope it can now go on to Game 7. One other thing from game six is comes out after the game last night that Patrice Bergeron, who does not usually speak, lets his play do the talking. He rallied the boys up with a pregame speech. Jake DeBrusque's response was, he's a legend. I wanted to run through a wall. And coming from a guy who doesn't speak and on the other end for him to actually a speak up but then b we we don't know what was said but i'm assuming the words that were spoken were direct to the point and uh, hey did you dream of winning a stanley cup you have two games to do it i like i, I don't know man i don't know maybe he talked about when they won the cup in 2011 Maybe they talked about shortcomings in 2013. Whatever it was, it worked last night. And we keep talking about guys that haven't really shown up either in the conference final or the Stanley Cup itself. Bergeron's one of those guys for the most part, but he gets such a benefit of the doubt from me in a sense of there has to be something else going on because he always brings it. He, do, he does run into injury issues the longer the season goes on, and he just plays through it because he's a tough son of a bitch. So I'm actually curious to see once Game 7 is played, the next day, the day after, when both teams do their exit interviews and speak to the media, what comes out. Because I 
honestly think there's something, I'm not saying serious injury, but I think he's kind of battling through something right now. Oh, there's no question. I mean, even on the face-offs where he makes his bread and butter, he's been awful. He, he's not been good at the dot. Some of them he hasn't even taken. I, I'm with you. I think there's an underlying factor there. But like you said, he, he's Patrice Bergeron. He will always get the benefit of the doubt. Now, moving on to Game 7, I don't think there's much more analysis that can be done either by us or you know, anybody else, Eddie O, Pierre. It's just both teams know it's on, a, on the line. Both teams are battling through injuries, whether they're playing or not. I'm kind of curious to know, in your, from your point of view, what worries you the most, not about what the Bruins might not do, but what St. Louis can potentially either game plan for or pull off in Boston on Wednesday that is kind of in the back of your mind, like, shit, we got to avoid that. Well, one thing just in general, but before that, is momentum in this series has been shit. Like, you think you there would be some sort of carryover from game to game of it, like... There's been nothing. Like, usually in a series, you're like, all right, that's a turning point, blah, blah, blah. Next game, that's going to happen. Like, there's been no flow to this series in that sense. One thing that scares me about St. Louis coming in here, and I I talked about a last episode where it seems like every game has been a tale of two teams where either the Bruins are able to get north and south real quick, have clean breakouts, and get chances on net and transition – or St. Louis is just being a heavy, heavy team and out-muscling us? Like, legitimately, which team's going to show up? I don't know. Rock, paper, scissors. We'll find out. Like, flip (laughs) flip a coin. Like, everyone's asking me, who do you think's going to win? Who do you think's going to win? And I'm not going to give you the homer response of, I think the brute. Like, flip a coin. That's legitimately how this game's going to go. I think Tuka Rask is going to be Tuka Rask. And... My question for you, because I, I brought it up, I jumped the gun on it, but if St. Louis wins tomorrow night, well, I'm sorry, Wednesday night, I'm, like I said, I'm getting excited. Um, does Tuka Rask win the Conn Smythe? It hasn't happened since Jaguar. What year was that? 2003? Uh, six, I believe. I think it was no. They won in they won in 06, My fault. Yeah, I think it was 03 when he lost to the Devils in the final. I think the only other time it would have happened would have been 2011 if the Bruins lost to Vancouver. Like there was no question Tim Thomas was going to get the Conn Smythe. It's interesting because usually if there is a close race, they'll give it to the guy who just won the cup. So I, will, I can see if the Blues do end up winning, I could see them the, most of the riders going with a guy like O'Reilly, Pareko, or Bennington just because they're on a winning team. But just to kind of segue into my Game 7 thoughts, the only reason, in my mind, the Bruins had a chance to go up one nothing and eventually win that game was because of Tukaras goaltending through that first period and most of the second. That's the only reason. So that's that's one little snapshot there that says even in a loss, there was no way it should have been going to a game seven based on how things were unfolding in the game six if you had any other goal tender possibly in there but Tuka for the Bruins. So to be honest, my votes for Tuka for the Conn Smythe, unless he 
absolutely lays a dud in Game 7, and St. Louis like blows you guys out of your own barn. But he gets my vote. He's been carrying you guys for at least a round and a half now, especially with the disappearance of most of your top six. So he would have got my vote either way. One thing, since we were talking about the goaltending, is the Bruins' D, just in general. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, Chara. I'm not naming people. There was times during Game 6 where they were just pinned in their own end. Like, they could just not get pucks out for a couple minutes at a time. I know we referenced that last episode where, I mean, Connor Clifton had a three-minute shift and change. When St. Louis starts getting pucks and they're cycling and they're going all around the zone, the Bruins at times just, they can't break it up. They can't get a shot block. Uh, the ball, the puck's bouncing everywhere. Like, that can be huge in this game. Like, you go to game seven and you kind of trap people in. You get a shot from the point, right? You're only... Two options, I think, at that point when people are gassed is either A, Tuca makes a save, or B, it ends up in your net. I think that's what this game comes down to. Can Tuca still do what he's been doing, make those crucial saves at points like that where the Bruins are just completely pinned and they can't get out of St. Louis's spin cycle, or they're going to be taking pucks out of the back of the net and they're just going to be that arena will be as silent as can be. I mean, definitely, because St. Louis is a team that's built off of what's happening in front of them. Once they get a couple good shifts going, you can see their confidence start building. Everybody starts getting involved. The defense start pinching. They start playing more physical on their forecheck. But as soon as, as, soon as things go the opposite way, you kind of see them become a little bit more, I guess, protective in their uh aggressiveness uh they're not playing a body hard like in game six once it was that second back-breaking goal in my opinion happened i lost count of how many flybys blue forwards blues forwards did on the four check in the bruins end whether we're asking me the initial save i saw tarasenko do it about three or four times where initial save and he just Glides past the goal, goes behind the net, and curls back around and comes back out of the zone as the puck leaves the zone. No stopping, no battling for rebounds, loose pucks, and I kind of became infectious on a Blues bench during Game Six. So they're definitely a team that's built off of whatever is happening in front of them. So if they get off to a good start, they get the first goal, they start built, uh, getting that confidence. I think it's going to be difficult for the Bruins to kind of match that and uh, turn it the other way, as long as St. Louis stays disciplined and doesn't put you guys on too many power plays. Yes, that is now my next point, Ben. Right into <laughs> it. That is a perfect segue. Um, our power play needs to be efficient. It's the games we have won, the power play is scored goals on. With that, that Martian goal in game six, beautiful. Like, beautifully set up, cross ice. That's Martian's kind of g-spot over there just burying goals this team needs to shoot the puck i understand that first power play unit is very good talent wise and they have the talent to look for seams in the ice and be able to execute on them the one problem i have is when you look at game six 
the difference between game five and game six, we shot the puck and we hit the net. There's been so much diddly-dallying and pussyfooting around with the puck as to we're trying to make this look pretty and this goddamn no-look drop pass to anyone is driving me to fucking drink. Like, get an entry, have someone go to the net, and put it there. Like, I hate to stress the basics, but I think that's what wins you a game here. Put the puck on net, hit the net, go for a rebound, score a goal. I, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just dummying it down and maybe I don't know anything about hockey. But I, I just think the basics can win you a game here. It's going to come down to special teams and goaltending. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game despite either push by the Bruins or Blues to get the game started. I think you're not going to really rattle Tuca. I'm a little nervous about Bennington just because of the way all the extracurricular stuff that was going on in Game 6 that he was initiating, which was odd. So I'm hoping just for the sake of the Blues that he gets himself recentered and focused for game seven. It's the biggest game of his life, possibly the biggest game he'll ever play in, in his entire career. So it's going to be a low scoring game. It's going to be about, like you said, got to capitalize on the opportunities. If you do get a power play in a game seven, the referees usually swallow the whistles at that point. And you got to play disciplined. You can't have Marshand doing slew foots. You can't have, Shen playing over the line in terms of physicality. It's going to come down to that. And for me, another reason why I think it's going to be extremely low scoring is Bennington has always rebounded well in his postseason from a loss. I think he has a sub two goals against average, like a 940 save percentage in games immediately following a loss. And then on the flip side, you have Tuca, who in elimination games in the in this year's playoffs, he's 3-0, 953 save percentage, 1.34 goals against average. So you're in a situation where one of those stats is going to take a hit because you have Pennington coming off a loss and Rask playing in an elimination game. So it's going to be interesting for me there. In terms of health-wise, I think uh, Grizzlick is still in concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to be able to play I don't know if the, uh, if the Bruins would insert him at this point into a Game 7. You never know how sluggish he'll be, if he has any rush to shake off, and you might just want to stick with the guys that got you back to a Game 7. So if you're Cassidy and Grizzlick is clear to go, do you put him back in right away? No. Um, and that kills me to say, because I absolutely love Matt Grizzlick. I stand-up kid... Um, great player and I think it is unfortunate he has not been able to pass his testing yet which is why he hasn't played I don't think it's like you said a rust factor or anything like that but I think if he does clear his thing then it turns to the rust factor because it's been about 10 days now with all the off days yeah and I'd hate to say that you keep John Moore in there but I think that's what you do I don't think Moore had a bad game in game six. He played physical. I mean, him and Perron, well, Perron had it going on with everybody in game six. He was 
what a pain in the fucking ass for you guys. But I don't. He played a very steady game. But yeah, it's that balance of Grizzly is a much better player than Moore. But Moore's been in the action. He's up to game speed. It's just kind of figuring out which which way you want to lean if you're the Bruins. Do you want to risk it and possibly add a difference maker, or do you want to keep a guy in who you know is not going to necessarily hurt you, but might not be able to contribute individually to a Stanley Cup? Yeah, man. Like, this is such a hard call because Coleman played so good the other night. But do you think Backus deserves a shot in Game 7? I personally don't touch the lineup, but it's one of those things like Grizzly Vet. I think he's earned it. At the same time, we pay him a lot of money, and who knows what happens this offseason with him and that contract and everything else here in town because it seems like some of the younger guys have kind of overlapped him. With that, I mean, you would love to see... Either team win. As just a hockey fan, either team win. With it, though, it's like the whole storyline and everything else. Like, do you think he deserves a shot? And as Cassidy, I'm not touching the lineup, not after game six. Here's, uh, in my view, and again, I'm separated from it because I'm not a Bruins fan and I'm not a Blues fan. Here's what David Backus deserves. An honest head coach is going to tell him, I'm putting out the best fall forwards on the ice. And Coleman's part of that 12. It, we, you will get your Stanley Cup. You're just not going to be able to be on the ice tonight. You helped us get here. He helped turn that series around uh, for you guys. He helped early on in the series. His offense kind of dried up a little bit. But he helps you guys get to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. He's done his job. And now you got to let some fresh legs in there. And Coleman, who earned, I think, the start in Game 7 after his playing Game 6, he just... I, I even think a guy like Backus is not going to be lobbying for anything. He's going to be perfectly content if that's the best guy. If Coleman's the best guy to help winning Stanley Cup for the first time in his career, he's going to be all for it. No, I, I know. And like you said, I think Cassidy is that coach that will sit him down and give him that brutal honesty, like d- do whatever you want with it in a sense. But yeah, I, I think... Coleman in the lineup made that second line a lot faster. I think it kind of made DeBrusque have to skate a little bit more and opened it up a little bit. Yeah, that's... That would that would be crazy if Backus does play and then it's a one nothing final for the Bruins and he gets the goal. Dude, and that's exactly <laughs> something like that would happen. Um, but... Fuck. <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of... So in terms of what you think is going to happen on Wednesday night, before... I let you go off there. I'm going to throw out a few stats for you. This is going to be the 17th game seven in Stanley Cup final history. The road team, when a uh, when a team has won Game Six on a road to force a Game Seven, that team has gone on to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, that's a series in the playoffs, 59 percent of the time. But in the Stanley Cup final specifically. A road team winning Game Six on a road to force a Game Seven has ended up winning this series four out of five times. The last stat for you: the Bruins are the sixth team to win on a road to force Game Seven in the Stanley Cup Final. That team hoisted the Stanley Cup 
in 2004 with the Lightning, 2001 with the Avalanche, 64 with the Maple Leafs, 45 with the Red Wings, and 42 with the Maple Leafs. So not a bad track record to have going home for a Game 7. No. Um, do you want to do predictions? Do you want to go? Yeah, I'm not going to get as specific as you did with the whole Patty Bergeron scoring in Game 7 at home <laughs> uh, to finish your little prophecy you had before the Game 5 podcast. I'm sorry. It was Episode 37. It just felt so right. <laughs> it felt so right. But I'm going to stick to my gut here. I've said all along that if push came to shove, whether it was any elimination game, never mind a game seven, I have more confidence in the Bruins structure, the Bruins leadership, and Tuka Rask than I would in, a Bru- in the Blues overcoming that. Chara has played in 13 game sevens. Patty B has played in 11. Krejci has played in 10. Marshan has played in eight. Rask has played in five. They've been there, done that. Gunnarsson and Maroon are the only guys that have played in a game seven on the Blues side of things. I'm not as confident in Bennington as I was after Game 5 uh, going into the uh, Game 7 on Wednesday night. I just think it's going to be low scoring, and it's going to be about the team that can capitalize on chances, whether special teams or often other teams' mistake, and goaltending. And all that points to the Bruins for me. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game, but I think it's going to be 2-1 Boston in regulation, Celebration on Causeway Street. This reminds me of something. It reminds me of 2011. It reminds me of being at the Garden for Game 6 when the Bruins come out and they blow the doors off of Vancouver. With it, you have a goalie, Roberto Luongo, who was kind of like Bennington currently. Just couldn't stop pucks, didn't have the feel of pucks. Got chased from that game. I mean, you probably could have pulled them last night once the doors opened up a little bit. I just think Boston has the upper hand here. And I know I said earlier, momentum hasn't really played a factor at all in this series. I think this one does. The boys are hungry. The the youngins, McAvoy, Krug, Carlo, these guys are ready to take it to a next level. I'm even going to go with the same score of the 2011 team that they had. 4 nothing Boston. Game 7. Decisive Game 7 win. No, no, no. I mean, do you remember that Game 7? I mean, Bergeron got that goal. Marshall got a goal. Bergeron got a goal. But, I mean, even though before that empty netter, it was 3 nothing, the game still felt a lot closer. And I think that's oh yeah yeah th- this game's gonna have that same feel where it's still gonna be really tight, but the Bruins are gonna get those goals, and I think that's what it comes down to. Patrice Bergeron, game winner on the penalty kill, gonna block wow. block a shot and then come out and bury one. Now. I said it's going to be low scoring 2-1. I give the edge in most categories going into a stage like this to the Bruins. But it's like 55-45 in my mind, leaning Bruins. So would I be thoroughly shocked if St. Louis pulled it off? Not really. But I would be a little bit surprised that Boston kind of at home 
with the momentum they have, the intangibles and everything else, wasn't weren't able to pull it off. And speaking of 2011, I watched Game 7 with the Ansaldis, Mike and Renee, and just seeing the range of emotions from just nervousness, about to like eat the coffee table with just anticipation for puck drop, to happiness when you realize that the game is over and you're going to win the Stanley Cup for the first time in your lifetime, all the emotions. I'm jealous that you guys might have a chance to get that twice in eight years. I'm still waiting for mine. I just, you got to kill the duck boots. Didn't uh, Mike propose to Renee that night or am I just making up <laughs> stories now? Uh, yeah, no, that was a different time, but I wouldn't have been surprised if we pulled it out. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't propose to me. <laughs> yeah, it was, whoever was the closest was getting a ring. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's been a little devoid of storylines this Stanley Cup in terms of getting the attention of casual press and casual fans. But I think it's been an excellent Stanley Cup final. I hope Game Seven is a good one. I think it would be even crazier if it goes into like mul- multiple overtimes just to like really fuck with your heart rate. But. Yeah, I, I'm just hoping for a great Game 7. Likewise. Um, everybody, thank you for listening throughout the year. Uh, we will do a Stanley Cup recap after Game 7, and then after that we'll probably transition to what is really making Ben excited, whether it's going to be the Hughes. The season, baby, let's go. Whether it's going to be Hughes or Capo Caco, and we'll go from there. Uh Yes, thank you, everybody. And, I mean, there's only one thing you can do when it comes to the Stanley Cup. Dream on, baby. 